Late last evening, I got a phone call from uh, Tim Thompson. Tim was uh, attending a wedding out in Kansas of a good friend and was planning on being back here in Indiana and leading and everything this morning. And so because of the weather pattern that <laughs> came through, why the flight got delayed, he missed his connecting flight. I think at this point in time, he's somewhere between Chicago and here. I'm not sure. But uh, at the last minute, he calls back and says, I'm not going to be there. And so our worship team had to take over with a, uh, you know, a little bit of notice. And I thought they did a really good job this morning for pinch hitting at the last minute. So, yeah. That's what happens when you have people that have servants' hearts. They just pitch right in and, and, and make it happen well. This is my favorite tape measure. Doesn't look like much. As a matter of fact, it's looked like that for the 35 years that I've owned it because I got it used. I've got better ones at home, uh, ones that uh, are, are longer uh, in length, wider, easier to read, uh, probably maybe even a tad bit more accurate now because it's got a little play in it through, through the years. But this was given to me by an older gentleman, Ralph Lemon, when he and I worked together at a furniture factory 35 years ago in between my semesters at college. Ralph kind of took me under his wing, and uh, in that factory, he was always doing things to encourage me, make me laugh, keep me going through that summer, and he gave me this, this so that I could measure the wood that I was sending through the sander in that place. I've used it for a lot of things, continue to use it today. It just, I just like the way it feels, but more than that, it became the measure of one man's kindness to me in a time when I needed it the most. Some things are easy to measure, like a piece of wood that you're wanting to cut. Other things are not so easy to measure. His actions measured his kindness in a way that I could understand it. It was for a measurement that a young man came to Jesus and said, can you tell me the most important commandment? He was trying to measure the greatest one. And Jesus answered him. We talked about this last week, but I want to read it again for you. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus answered him like this. The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. When Jesus measured it all, he put these at the top. Love the Lord your God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. Boy, easy to say, but hard to measure. I need a really good tool to measure such love. Now, I can measure my love uh, for, for my daughters, sort of. I, I, I mean, uh, Elsie and I tried to guide them in positive uh, areas because we wanted them uh, to, to become everything that God had intended for them to be. At, at times, we made tough decisions that the girls didn't like very well at the moment, but we made them because we knew that making that decision at that moment would be the important thing for down the road. Um, we tried to help them discern what kind of a career that they could aspire to that would help them serve and honor God and help and serve other people at the same time. And I got to tell you, my heart still skips a beat when they come home and they walk through the door. All those things help me measure my love for my daughters. But how do I measure my love for God? How do I know 
if I really love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Last week, we talked about Jesus' second part of the answer. Jesus was trying to give a little bit of a clue and insight into that when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you love who God loves, then that is a way of loving God. And to claim devotion to God but fail to serve others, that, that, really, that, that is hypocrisy. You can't say, oh, I love God, but I just don't want to have anything to do with anybody else. That, that, that is hypocrisy. But, but on the flip side of that, remember this, to serve others but fail to be devoted to God makes us unspiritual. Even pagan people do good things for other people, but they don't love God. So how do I measure my love for God? Because I'm convinced that reaching upward motivates me to reach outward. I think there are two key words I want to take a look at real quickly this morning. One is communication and the other one is commitment. Communication. How do I communicate my love to God? How can I communicate my love to God? I've lived plenty long enough to realize, folks, that communication is vital in any relationship or any business or any organization. No personal connection will survive without it. No business will survive without it. No organization will survive without it. And that's one of the reasons why we've invested a lot of our time and energy lately into figuring out how we could improve our church family communications around here. Now, it all started with the website uh, several months ago uh, because we know that the Internet is the way most people first encounter our church, and, and we wanted it to be the best that it, it could really be. So we, we kind of put this together. I uh, hope you like it. You've tried using the menu. You've tried clicking the links. You've even tried the search box. But you just couldn't find what you were looking for on the Sherwood Oaks website. So you gave up. Tried other churches' websites. You even went to the preacher's house looking for help. There's got to be a better way. Now there is. Introducing the new and improved SOCC.org. Use it at home, at work, or on your mobile device. Anywhere with an internet connection. Use SOCC.org to sign up for classes, watch a sermon, read Yes to Love stories, check the church calendar, volunteer to serve, log on to my church, and so much more. The old church website was hard to navigate and out of date, but the new SOCC.org is convenient and up to date. Kids will love the Sherwood Oaks website too, and it's even great for pets. SOCC.org, log on today. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, through the years, we've had some wonderful volunteers who've worked with our website and, and got us to where we are today without whose help we would have been light years behind. So if you see Brian and Karen Oding today, give them a pat on the back, or if you see them next week, and tell them how much you think. They give years of their life to help us with this. And uh, what we're doing today is just a step beyond where they have brought us to. Now, as much as I enjoy holding a printed piece of paper in my hands, I, I've become aware of the fact that our website is our premier means of first communication. The, our, our website is our front window into the life of the church. People will look there before they ever come here, and, and they'll look to see whether or not they're ever interested in coming through the door here by what they find on the web. And despite my love for the printed page, I find that I do a whole lot more exploring today via websites when it comes to people, places, and products than any other source. I mean, it's just the wave of the future. And the church cannot afford to be caught in a time warp on this one. 
Uh, Facebook, which started as a young people's um, uh, social networking site, now finds, are, do you, are you aware of this? The largest single age block of users on Facebook are 65 and older. So don't tell me that the web stuff and the internet is only for young people. It's not. People of all ages and generation are using it. And the church utilizes such things as Facebook and Twitter to help get news out. What's more, we have a digital communication that comes out, an e-newsletter every Friday. If we don't have your email, we'd like to have it so that you can get this e-newsletter every Friday. Uh, and, and you can just glance through it. It kind of gives you some of the highlights of things that are going on, but it's a great way to stay up on fresh communication. So let us know uh, if you're not getting it. And uh, the, the, here's your assignment for this week. We want you to go on the website and see if you can locate the new sermon series. Um, we, uh, we, we, have, we posted as of today, we have the preaching schedule from September all the way through December, but we have it on the, on the web and we want you to go there. And I think we got a page that shows you kind of how to go there. You go to the homepage, you click news down here, it will take you to the site, and then you can click to find what is uh, coming up in the next several weeks from a preaching calendar standpoint of view. So if you're not used to using it, that's a good test for you to, uh, to take it uh, to, to the next level. Now, per the recommendation of the Lilly-funded study that we did, we're eliminating some things, too. Uh, according to the study, the Engage magazine that we were publishing quarterly and mailing out really wasn't meeting people's needs, and so we're not going to put that out anymore. And that'll save the church budget several thousands of dollars a year. Um, we've reduced the size and simplified the information in the bulletin in hopes that people will read it. Uh, they, they said our, our bulletin was too cluttered. That it, there was so much information in there that people weren't taking the time to read any of it. Uh, we're going to make monthly printed updates of events available here at the church. It'll come out the last week of the month for the following month. And this will be something you can take home. And we're not going to mail this out, but you can pick it up here, and it will give you all the things that are going on in the next uh, month and something you can you know, post on your refrigerator, keep by your phone, put in your desk drawer as a handy reference for uh, uh, upcoming events. Now, will we make a lot of mistakes in this communication process? <laughs> Does Monday still follow Sunday on the, on the calendar? Absolutely. Sure we will. Is that our intention? No, we want to do our best, but you know, you, you, when you're trying new things and when you're trying to change and improve, you're, not everything that looks like it'll work works as well as you think. And so nothing is carved in stone but the, except for the Ten Commandments, and so if we find something isn't working well, then we're going to do our best to go back to the drawing board and reshape it and redo it so that it makes good sense. Now those things are easy to measure. You can look at a printed bulletin. You can look at a website. You, you, you can look at a, at a newsletter link. And you can say, that's good or that's not so good or that's easy or that's not. You can measure that. But I'm, I'm back to this question. How do we measure how we communicate our love to God? I mean, is it just as simple as saying, I love you, God? But I don't think so. So, so let me take this a step farther back. Let me ask you another important question. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, I, hmm, I, I don't know. I, th I think I'm supposed to be, but I'm, I'm not sure I know exactly what a disciple is, or I'm not sure I know what discipleship is, or I, I hope I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm just not sure. What does a disciple look like? How do we define discipleship? How does a disciple act? Would I, would I know one if I saw one? Okay, let me give you a real simple definition. A disciple is anyone who seeks to become more like Jesus in word, thought, 
and behavior. Let me say that again. A disciple is anyone who seeks to become more like Jesus in word, thought, and behavior. If you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then you start the process of being a disciple. Now, you either remain an infant or you grow. And growing is becoming more like Jesus in word, thought, and behavior. Now, in light of that, I'll ask you again, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Can you tell me that today you are more like Jesus than you were a year ago in your words, your thoughts, and your behavior? Help us out this morning. Uh, at, at the end of the row, there are surveys. If you will grab one of those, and each of you take one and pass it down so that everybody has a survey. You're gonna, you're, we're going to do this right here in the sermon, all right? I don't want you to take this home because a lot of them won't come back, and so grab a, a uh, pen out of the rack in front of you or grab a pen out of your pocket or a pencil or pen out of your purse or something because uh, we're, we're just going to go through this real quickly for, for a moment this morning. Simple questions, but, but most of these are really important to us to know. First of all, uh, what is your gender, male or female? Just check off one of those. And, and, you know, this is not for a family to do so that you've got like uh, both. This is individual. I want everybody individual to do one of these, okay? Are you uh, a member or a tender or a guest? If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, I still want you to fill this out, okay? Uh, because this will help us know what you need with regard uh, to the future, What's your age? You know, they, we've got it broken down in categories. I'm still a bit frosted that it breaks at 56, right there in that one category. Please check your current church activities. Are you involved in some kind of a fellowship or social group? Uh, are you involved in some kind of service or ministry? Uh, you, are you involved in a Bible study? Uh, have you taken short-term mission trips? Um, are you involved in a personal healing or recovery kind of a support group? Or something? You may be involved in all those. Check them all off if you are. Uh, you know, this isn't just to take the one. And if you're not involved in any of them, leave them blank, all right? That'll help us know that, that you're, you're not connected yet. Now, number five is probably the one that, that I'm really most interested in knowing, and this may take you a little bit of time to fill it out. It says, has any part of your experience at Sherwood Oaks made it difficult for you to feel at home here? In other words, have you found it difficult to connect? It, you, you, you feel like you're, you're still on the outside. You'd like to be in, but you don't feel like you're a part of this. You don't feel like you're part of the family. What has caused you to feel that way? Have we done something or failed to do something that has become a barrier to you feeling at home here? That's important. And the number six is also important. What can we do to help you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? And you can check off any of those. Now, you don't have to sign these, all right? But if you want to leave a comment or you've got a concern or something's bothering you, would you do me the kind favor of putting your name down? Sometimes we get anonymous notes around here that are unsigned where a person has a very great concern and there are sometimes great answers for it, but I then have no opportunity to talk to that person because we don't know who sent it. And so the, the question just hangs out there in the middle of the air. So anonymous notes or anonymous mail really don't accomplish what could be accomplished if you just sign your name and that way we can talk about it because we can sometimes have good answers or learn good things from that process. Now you can go right ahead and continue to work on that for uh, while I'm preaching here and then drop them in the baskets at the doors on your way out this morning and, and we'll take a look at uh, all those results.
You know, in society, growing up and maturing are not synonymous, but in the kingdom of God, they are. If you don't grow up and mature, you remain a spiritual infant. And that's why discipleship is so vital in your life and mine, because it involves several significant areas. Growing up in your knowledge of, of God and his word. Growing up in your commitment to a moral lifestyle, living a holy life. And growing up in your relationship to other people who are here in the family. The maturing process is a must for any congregation. It is a must for every individual. And, and we have to help each other. Uh, I, I really think it's hard to grow as an individual if you don't have the support of the congregation. Uh, Thabiti Anya Wiley writes this. It takes a whole church to raise a Christian. I think that's true. You know, I, I wouldn't be who I am today without the church coming around me when I was a young person, a child, a, a teenager, a college student, and helping me grow. And it's true with all of us. We need each other to develop because we can rationalize the most pathetic immaturity in the kingdom if we're not careful. I hear people say things like this. Well, God will surely make an exception for my outbursts of anger. I don't really mean it. Or the Lord knows I don't gossip. Everything I say is true. Or obviously God understands that I have no time to read his word, so he's not disappointed I never read his Bible. Or Uncle Sam squanders our tax dollars, so therefore I'm justified in cheating on my tax return. Or God will not blame me for that affair after all he's the one that brought this other person into my life it was simply inevitable that it would happen it's not my fault such rationalization always grows out of the depth of immaturity god has called us to seek to be more like jesus every day of our lives in word thought and behavior you know, I think that's one of the challenges of parenting. When you're a parent or when you're a grandparent and you're helping to influence your kids or your grandkids as they're growing up, up and, and growing older, it, there's, a, there's a, a challenge of being mature enough to be consistent enough to send the right signal. For instance, what kind of signals do we send to our kids and grandkids when the phone rings and we tell them to answer the phone and say, tell them I'm not home. What's that say about honesty? Or when we joke about somebody else's misfortune, what kind of a signal does that send about compassion? Or when we make the children leave the room during a sensitive scene on TV, but we continue to watch, do we send a signal about our views of morality? Or when we turn on the radar detector in our car, we send a signal about our respect for the law and authority. You see, it's not just the kids that pick up on that. It's the rest of the world. And they look at our lives as Christians and believers and they see that inconsistency. They see that immaturity and they assign that then to Jesus Christ. So discipleship then is how I begin to communicate my love to God. How do I measure my love for him? What do I do that communicates to a world around me that Jesus Christ is number one in my life? Which brings us then to that second word, which is commitment. How can I go deeper in my relationship with God? We try, we try in life so hard to find what is our core purpose in being here. <laughs> I read about a woman who had her deceased husband's ashes put into an egg timer so he could still help out in the kitchen. <laughs> that guy was hurting for a purpose, I'm here to tell you. What is our purpose 
Jesus gave it to us in this, in this passage. Our ultimate purpose in life is to love God with our entire being, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this quote from, from Dallas Willard. This is what he says. Christian spiritual formation is the process of transforming all essential dimensions of the self toward Christ-likeness. It presupposes the birth from above and the constant action of the Holy Spirit, but it also presupposes relentless action by the individual in obedience to the Word of God. I love that description, relentless action by the individual in obedience toward God. Are you relentless in your pursuit to be more like Jesus? Brad Wagoner said, the Christian life is a journey of learning and applying biblical truth. That's discipleship. That's the growing. That's being more like him in word, thought, and behavior. Now, I'm going to give you five real brief areas this morning uh, 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 that are tools of measurement for the depth of our devotion to Jesus Christ. And I present these to you not as a practitioner who has all of it solved. I present these to you as one who struggles like you do to do these. And can I tell you, the longer I minister and the older I grow, they do not become easier. They are still challenging. They are harder than they were before. And I seemingly can find more excuses why I shouldn't or can't or won't do them. So let's share our misery as we struggle together in these five areas. Here they, here they are. Discipleship develops through prayer. Prayer is not hard to understand, folks. It's just hard to undertake. It's so easy to dismiss it. Well, when I find a few free moments, I'll pray. Or if I really have something that is worth bothering God with, I'll, I'll pray. Or oh, God's too busy with the universe to want to hear from me. We wouldn't be so flippant with our spouse or our kids, our boss, our neighbors, our friends. So why is it that we are so reluctant to talk to God? It takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice of time and energy to do so. Gary Thomas wrote, anyone can date God. The truly mature seek to be his faithful, lifelong companions. The verb and noun form of pray appear 375 times in the Bible. That's no small matter. Folks, the Bible says pray continually. The Bible says pray for help. It says if anyone is in trouble, he should pray. It says be self-controlled so that you can pray. And the list goes on. We can measure devotion to God through our prayers. Here's another one. Discipleship develops through fasting. Fasting is the sacrifice of something physically satisfying, most often we think of as food, for the sake of something spiritual that is more important. Fasting is not a form of dieting. You're, we're not doing this for physical benefit. We're doing it for spiritual purposes. Is it easy? I don't know about you, but I like to eat. I don't like to skip a meal. That's not easy for me to do. <laughs> I like what Tim Garrett wrote. He said, why do they call it fasting when it goes so slow? <laughs> and isn't that true? If you're fasting for a day, it, it, the hours just creep by because you're hungry and your stomach's gnawing at you. Fasting increases self-control. It helps focus the mind and heart on spiritual matters, and it is pleasing 
to God. When I was in Russia, the church where the class was being held that I was teaching, I'll tell you more about all that as, as uh, the weeks go by because there's so many good stories that have come out of that. I, I was humbled to learn that this fall, that church was going to do a three-day fast in order to prepare their hearts and their minds for what they believed God was going to lead them to do. I got to tell you, I have never done a three-day fast in my life. Discipleship develops through study. A research project conducted in 2008 discovered this significant insight regarding spiritual growth. When it comes to spiritual formation, what we discovered is not complicated. Statistically, the number one issue correlated to higher maturity scores was the discipline, are you ready for this? Of daily Bible reading, end quote. In other words, after all this research was done, they came to the conclusion that that which matures us best spiritually is to be in the Word of God on a daily basis. There you have it. Doesn't get any simpler or more profound at the same time. If you want to mature, study His Word. You cannot know God apart from His Word, and He has revealed Himself to us within its pages. I know God leads our lives in a variety of ways, but He will never lead us contrary to what His Word says. The great German theologian and preacher Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, he said, the words that come from God will be the steps upon which we will find our way to God. Grounded in the scripture, we learn to speak to God in the language which God has spoken to us. We learn to speak to God as a child speaks to its mother. The entire Bible then is the word in which God allows himself to be found by us, end quote. It's true. If you're never in the word, if you're never studying the word, you can't No, the Father. How do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and never read His Word? You can't. Discipleship develops through meditation. The chaotic pace of our lives and our culture have almost ruined this concept. I got to tell you, uh, at this point in my life, I think it's just been a pattern of so many years of my schedule and, and stuff that when I just stop and do nothing except for when I go to sleep at night, but if I just stop and want to think, I feel guilty. I feel like I'm wasting time. I'm driven to do something, to get it done, to accomplish something, and just sitting and doing nothing. I have a hard time being still and meditating, and yet I'm convinced that that is where God can fill our minds out of the concept of His Word with direction for our lives. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways. Psalm 46:10: be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then discipleship develops through giving. A well-dressed man was startled in a dark alley when a robber jumped out and threatened him by saying, give me your money. The man kind of straightened his shoulders and says, I'll have you know, I am a U.S. senator. To which the robber replied, oh, well in that case, give me my money. (laughs) Haven't we done the same thing with God? The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. When we fail to give it back to God, aren't we squandering what's His and not ours? 
You say, well, does God really need my money? No, God doesn't need your money, but you need to give it because it's a part of the disciplines that help bring us to spiritual maturity. You see, it is our way of helping support and fund the work of the kingdom, not only here, but all around the world. It is an act of worship. It is an expression of deep appreciation and thanksgiving. It is an expression of dependence upon him. Now, you look at all these areas that we've talked about, whether it's prayer or it's fasting or it's giving or it's meditating, you're giving up something, time, energy, resources, finances, something that's important to you, and you're saying, this isn't as important to me as God is, and knowing God. And when we give that up, it's saying, I am dependent upon you, God, to supply what I have given back to you. That's why these areas become tools to measure how deeply we love the Father. But all the information in the world on this subject of discipleship won't mean anything if you don't put it into practice. W.K. Hope wrote, he said, self-discipline is when your conscience tells you to do something and you don't talk back. And so it's time for us to do some self-disciplining in this area. Start now. You're going to make some changes. Start today. Not when Labor Day is over, not when winter comes, not when the kids are gone, not when you retire. Start now. Develop a plan of action. Get some reasonable goals that move you in the right direction. Change your priority. I am so driven by the urgent sometimes that I miss the important. We need to reverse that. We need to be driven by the important, not the urgent. Grow little by little. If you bite off more than you can chew, you'll choke. You'll get so discouraged, you'll give up. I would rather you read five verses of Scripture and comprehend them and understand them and be able to apply them to your life than for you to read five chapters of Scripture and you get to the end and you don't know what you've read, but you can say, hey, but I've I've read five chapters. It's not the reading of it. It's the ingesting of it that makes the difference. And then decide to try something new in your spiritual walk. Try a different class. Join a small group. Get into an accountability group. Go on a short-term mission group. Get involved in some kind of a ministry aspect in the life of the kingdom. Do something new that stimulates you to become more like Jesus in word, thought, and behavior. Now, here's the bottom line. Let me wind up. That We're closing out here. Discipleship is an individual responsibility. It's my responsibility for me. It's your responsibility for you. As the old expression goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Can I tell you, it is not the church's responsibility to make you a disciple this morning. It is the church's responsibility to provide you with good food and equipping to do that, but only you can decide that you will be a disciple. The water is here. Will you choose to drink? You see, there is no force feeding in the kingdom of God. There's always this thing that if you are married long enough and you really love the person that you're married to, you eventually will look like one another. (laughs) Yeah, you've seen pictures and and people like that. I kind of think that's what discipleship is like. That the longer you live loving Jesus Christ, the more you will look like him. I've never been to the Alamo, but I understand. I've read that there is a picture near the main entrance Uh, It is a portrait that hangs with this inscription. James Butler Bonham. No portrait of him exists. This is a portrait of his nephew, Major James Bonham, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. We have no earthly picture of Jesus Christ. The world 
doesn't know what he looks like physically, but here I can tell you this, that if you will love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if you will become a disciple growing deeper with him in your life, and that you'll grow old with him, then they should be able to look at you and see what Jesus looks like. That's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the best measurement tool I can give you. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Is he number one in your life this morning? If he isn't, while we stand and while we sing, you come to Jesus Christ.